Quantlayer is a software consultancy based in Brooklyn, New York. All opinions expressed by podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Quantlayer. The information presented should not be construed as investment advice. Guests may maintain positions in assets mentioned in the podcast. from Quantlayer. Thanks for listening to our podcast. So edge computing is a topic that is not getting enough coverage. We've covered CDNs like Cloudflare before, but we wanted to look at Fastly, an edge computing player that went public in early 2019. On this episode, we cover edge computing topics like rapidly purged caching. We run through a few case studies of the value that edge computing brings some of Fastly's customers. We discuss major risks that the company might face and postulate on why we think they're trading at a discount compared to other SaaS peers like Cloudflare and Elastic. Before we get into the episode, a word from our sponsor, us. Quantlayer is a software consultancy. We build software applications for our clients, help teams with new product development, and work with them on tech strategy. We love working on all industry verticals while specializing in helping teams with complex problems and bringing their solutions to life. So think real-time features, complex and interactive UIs, parallelism like data aggregation and pipelining, search and indexing and alerting. If any of these more ambitious features sound interesting to you, we would love to chat with you. Drop me a line at vikram at quantlayer.com. That's V-I-K-R-A-M, like Mary, at quantlayer.com. Thanks and enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, you've got Quantlayer here, Vikram speaking. I'm joined by Faison, also known as the Wizard. What's going on, Faison? Uh, not much. Uh, I'm in Toronto again. There's uh, snow on the ground. Uh, winter has begun. <laughs> nice. All right. So we have been on a wave of kind of IPO and tech company overviews. Uh, thanks in large part to our listeners who we've gotten a lot of great feedback from around the types of things that they want to hear. So, you know, we're going to continue on that route. The company we're going to cover today is a little bit different just because they IPO'd earlier in 2019. But it's similar to another company we covered, Cloudflare, and we thought it'd be pretty helpful for us to look into them. That's Fastly, a ticker is F-S-L-Y. So let's start off with kind of our, you know, Quantlayer mission statement analysis is like a context describing what they do. Um, So on their prospectus, they say they are in the business of enabling developers to dream bigger. And on their website, they say, behind the best of the web, empower your developers, connect with your customers, and grow your business with today's leading edge cloud platform. So all these, originally when I was like looking into these guys, they sounded very similar to what Cloudflare did. Um, But even these mission statements, but after, you know, looking into it deeper, they're they're definitely different. There's some areas where they might overlap, but um, there's definitely major differences. But even their their mission statements, um, I thought, well, are a little more specific than, you know, Cloudflare's, which was mission is to help build a better internet, which is like pretty grandiose. And they also call themselves a web performance and security company on their website, which is also a little vague. So I don't know, Fizan, what do you think about these mission statements? So, you know, the dream bigger stuff is, again, just vague and nonspecific. The next one, you know, empower developers, grow your business, leading edge cloud platform, that's fine. I do think that there is a difference between them and Cloudflare's mission statement that is reflected Mm -hmm. in their core offerings. You know, Cloudflare does offer more 
security stuff and some more internet building blocks in the sense of their DNS service. But at the end of the day, these are all pretty broad and pretty vague. Yep. So let's get into specifically what they do. We'll read through their overview in their uh, prospectus. And just as a heads up, some of the stuff is out of date. So there's parts we're going to read from their prospectus and parts that we're going to read from their latest 10Q, just because they've been public for about six months now. Not a whole lot has changed as far as what the company does, but you know how how much they've grown and things like that. Obviously, we want to talk about the most reflective period, which is the most recent. But as far as overview goes, this is from their prospectus. Developers are reinventing the way we live, work, and play online, yet they repeatedly encounter innovation barriers when delivering modern digital experiences. Expectations for digital experiences are at an all-time high. They must be fast, secure, and highly personalized. If they aren't reliable, end users simply take their business elsewhere. The challenge today is enabling developers to deliver modern digital experiences while simultaneously providing scale, security, and performance. We built our Edge platform to solve this problem. Um, do you kind of agree with the like generally that paragraph? Yeah. Okay. I think the last two sentences are enough if they aren't reliable and users take their business elsewhere and enabling developers to deliver a modern digital experience while simultaneously providing scale security performance. Like that's it. Scale security performance reliability. That's what you are buying. And okay. So they continue the edge cloud is a new category of infrastructure as a service. I A A S that enables developers to build, secure, and deliver digital experiences at the edge of the internet. The service represents the convergence of content delivery networks with functionality that has traditionally been delivered by hardware-centric appliances, such as application delivery controllers, web application firewalls, bot detection, distributed denial of service solutions. It also includes the emergence of a new but growing edge computing market, um, and this was this is kind of interesting because they talk more about it on their latest call. So uh, it also includes the emergence of a new but growing edge computing market, which aims to move compute power and logic as close to the end user as possible. The edge cloud uses the emerging cloud computing serverless paradigm in which the cloud provider runs the server and dynamically manages the allocation of machine resources. When milliseconds matter, processing at the edge is an ideal way to handle highly dynamic and time-sensitive data. The edge cloud complements data center, central cloud, and hybrid solution. So this edge cloud part is kind of, you know, obviously they do very different things, but talking from like a high-level company perspective and the service they're trying to offer, at least the way they're selling it in the prospectus, is that they're really kind of selling this kind of edge service offering. Yeah, like what we've, um, if your traditional cloud computing was providing, or like replacing your server hardware, this is, essentially providing services on top of your network traffic. And it's moving that intelligence out to the, for lack of a better word, edge, where the like the server stuff and the CPU cycles are all becoming very commoditized. And all of the value add stuff is the stuff that's sitting between you and your user, the CDN, the application performance stuff, and the serverless stuff. Gotcha. So add a little more context, they have a kind of case study section up front in their prospectus. These are really short little case studies about what they do for different customers. I find these very useful 
I just, I like when we can be as specific as possible as what the company can be as specific as possible in their prospectus and their documentation around like, what, what are they doing exactly? So even though we don't know specifically what issues Fastly is solving for these companies, you know, it might be fun to kind of like theorize what they might have been based on kind of our, our understanding of the yeah. customer and our understanding of Fastly. So before jumping into the the specific case studies, I just want to quickly cover exactly what Fastly provides. Um, if you listen to our uh, Cloudflare talk, you know uh, CDN is a content delivery network. The idea is that rather than serving up some sort of an asset directly from your server to the end user, it sits on a server that's generally co-located with the ISP so it can get to the user much quicker. And it's generally used for serving cached content. So that would be images, web pages, uh, things like that. And then on top of that, because they're handling the serving of that sort of network traffic, you have stuff like your DDoS protection and uh, firewalls that's handled for you. Now, there's other more advanced things, but the the core CDN service is serving that static and cacheable content. Yep. What differentiates Fastly from their competitors is, I would say, uh, two big things. Uh, one is they will also serve uh, dynamic content, so stuff that was not traditionally put in a CDN. So that's video, that's uh, RTMP, so that would be like your uh, a Flash-related stuff, and then just other dynamic content. The second thing is they're able to uh, purge content very easily. So in, in some traditional caching solutions, when you have to change what's been cached, it might take a little while for that to propagate. Fastly lets you purge cached content and replace it very quickly and by referencing it by the key of that content. So that context is important with dealing with some of these uh, these case studies. So I think the first one you uh, you had wanted to talk about was the New York Times. Yeah. So the CTO from New York Times, Nick Rockwell, he said he's a huge fan of Fastly. On election night, we had 100,000 requests per second and Fastly performed flawlessly. We had no problems at all. Just for context, is 100,000 requests per second, what's your take on that number? I mean, that's all relative. It's If you're small, it's a lot. If you're huge, it's a right. little. You know, it's, it's With numbers like that, it just... It just depends on who you yep. are. I, I guess I bring that but, up just because I thought it would be higher for you know election night for the New York Times. Yeah, I mean, 100,000 per second, that adds up quick. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, so if you're looking at the profile of what you would expect the New York, you know, it's a media site. So you're going to have tons of static content in the sense of uh, images and articles, um, possibly serving dynamic media like video uh, alongside it. Um, but also, you're going to have the content that's being served uh, updating rapidly. So you need to be able to uh, swap out what you're serving or add new uh, content to your cache. Uh, or like your, you know, your, your front page might be changing more than once a day. So you need to change like what's on that front page. But also your articles are being served up a tremendous number of times, so they need to be cached. Yep. So this lends itself... Uh, particularly well to Fastly, where you can serve the video and images, you can serve your static content like you would with a regular CDN, but you can also regularly update your cache content. And so the second one they mentioned is New Relic. 
And the chief architect, Nick Benders over there, he said, we work with Fastly because it's a company whose values are significantly similar to ours. Great engineering, great culture, always innovating and totally focused on delivering high quality products. That doesn't say a whole lot, but what's your take on what they, based on what you know about New Relic and what they were providing? Yeah. So with this one, there wasn't anything for me to speculate on in terms of New Relic having a specific technical need that Fastly serves better than some other CDN provider. But, you know, Fastly is in that vein of like very dev-friendly, self-serve infrastructure providers, similar to like a DigitalOcean. And so my suspicion here was just that the team at New Relic liked the, like the product experience, I, I would guess. And it's, that's reflected in the way they're talking about it. Um, so if I were to speculate, that's where I'd go with that. Gotcha. All right, the next one's Ticketmaster. So Gary Wong, he's a software manager over there. When tickets go on sale, we can see thousands of requests per second. At the same time, our inventory is changing every second. Fastly gives us the ability to reconcile these challenges and respond to customers in real time by serving highly dynamic content from the edge. This one sounded really interesting to me. Yeah, so this seems like the sweet spot for Fastly where you know we talk about that you have stuff that is being cached, but it's changing very fast. Like as you can imagine, tickets that go on sale, the site's being absolutely hammered for the same content over and over and over again. But then as the tickets sell out, you need to update uh, what you're serving up. So you're able to scale your traffic very quickly, serve the same content a tremendous number of times, and then also uh, purge or uh, swap out that content uh, very, you know, by key. So very specifically in a targeted way and very rapidly. The other one that's interesting here is, you know, we've talked about bot detection and web application mm-hmm. firewalls and ticket purchasing is the sort of thing that's very susceptible to bots. So I would imagine that there's some value here as well in using some form of bot detection service uh, if Ticketmaster doesn't want to get hammered by uh, bot purchases. Gotcha. The next one is Alaska Airlines. So they said, now these are... Um, these are Fastly's words, not you know necessarily someone at Alaska Airlines. Alaska Airlines used Fastly's powerful edge programming language to safely test out our new features without risking disruption to production traffic. Fastly allowed them to control what percentage of users were directed to a test server to experience a new feature, dialing this up over time until they were confident the feature was ready for release. Yeah. So because they are in ticket sales, you could imagine some of the same benefits as Ticketmaster, although you probably don't have the same like moments of release rush right. uh, issues. But what's interesting here is another differentiating feature of Fastly, particularly in this like self-serve small like or client or dev-friendly space, in that something like Cloudflare is built on top of Nginx and Fastly uses uh, Varnish and allows you to provide a custom VCL files. So that's like the Varnish configuration language or mm-hmm. what have you. So you can essentially create a very customized network traffic logic for your CDN using Fastly while being like a relatively small customer. So, you know, with something like an Akamai who has a sales team and you have a big account and you have tons of customizability, you're generally going to pay a lot more. Here you can have a lot of the customizability, but still have it be like a small scale self-serve thing. Yep. So the impression I got here was that Alaska Airlines used that private CDN functionality to be able to basically test stuff and then ramp traffic up gradually. Yep. While you were talking, I pulled up a you know two month article, old article on Fastly's site, 
a run varnish. So they gave a little more context with respect to Reddit and Hotel Tonight. So they say, part of what makes Fastly so powerful is the near infinite programmability of our platform beyond simply customizing your own config. You can build your own solutions at the edge, extensions ranging from the practical to the powerful. We've been blown away by the creativity of our customers like Reddit and Hotel Tonight, who regularly push more complex logic to the edge, which ultimately leads to a faster and safer internet for users around the world. And we want to help you all take advantage of the platform, introduction of new tools, and so on. Uh, we'll link all the stuff in the show notes. But yeah, that kind of talks to what you're saying with respect to uh, Alaska Airlines. Yeah. Uh, the next one is Spotify. So Spotify partnered with Fastly to design and manage CDN offering that could meet their needs by combining Fastly's full site delivery and managed delivery offerings. Spotify was able to maintain control over how their content catalog was delivered while ensuring a quality experience for all their listeners. Yeah, so with Spotify, you again are serving a lot of static content in the sense of like the images and artwork that does update frequently in terms of where it is. So radio stations, popular playlists, et cetera, uh, change, but they're serving the same content over and over again. You're also serving dynamic content in the sense of audio. And then uh, you have a lot of mobile users, particularly with Spotify. And one feature that Fastly has that a lot of other CDN providers don't is a built-in image optimization. So if you're serving this artwork to over mobile to you know everyone using Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, or just their phone, uh, you're going to get a lot of benefits beyond just the CDN. And uh, of course, GitHub. GitHub chose Fastly as a CDN provider to take advantage of Fastly's advanced functionality and large edge network capacity in order to serve an increasingly large customer base without overloading origin servers. Yeah, so again, you get the benefits of managing spikes in traffic with the CDN. GitHub in particular has struggled with DDoS attacks in the past because... You know, people have used GitHub for political reasons, for repositories that are blocked in certain countries. You've seen them suffer from DDoS attacks. So being able to put a lot of of their content onto something like Fastly that can help mitigate that is probably pretty high value for them. Yep. All right, so let's read through the section in their prospectus overview called Our Solution, the Developer's Edge. And for those who are reading along, this is page four of their prospectus. And it kind of goes into details of what their edge cloud platform is and what you can do with it. Okay, so they start off with programmable edge. Our programmable edge sits in an extremely privileged position between our customers' applications and their end users, placing our services closer to those users. It is designed to create a space for developers to innovate at their own pace by providing a series of things like full programmability, reusable modules, real-time visibility and control, agile development, and safety at the edge. Maybe we can talk about this full programmability one. I think the others like, okay, so they say our powerful platform allows developers to write and deploy their custom code to push application logic to the edge. We believe that logic like A-B testing, URL directs, paywall auth, local language customization can all be executed faster and more efficiently at the edge. Yeah, so this one's actually pretty cool from a a dev's perspective because take, for example, A-B testing. If you just had a traditional application and you you wanted to roll out A-B testing, there'd be one of two ways that you might approach it. One would be to just put the A-B logic right into the back end of the application, which means that all traffic goes to the application. The application has, you have to upload that A-B testing code to all you know production instances. And then at the application level, it determines what content to serve up. So you can imagine the 
issues with constantly pushing stuff that you just want to test out into production. Right. Another approach would be, let's say you're running something like a load balancer or uh, Nginx. You could deploy new versions of your application to other servers and have your load balancer manage the logic of like that traffic. But again, there's a, a lot of headache with making sure that's being done reliably. You're having to do it all manually. Whereas here, they're essentially just taking care of that load balancer level of managing traffic for you. And you can independently deploy your test applications and your production applications um, without having any sort of pollution in your production environment. See, that's interesting. We'll talk about like competition in a bit, but curious what your thoughts are here. One of the benefits we talked about in the past would say like, you know, you're a company and you can actually use both Cloudflare and AWS for different reasons. Even if you want to shut off one set of services, you can move them over to um, another platform pretty easily. How tied into your, into Fastly is your whole like DevOps and deploy infrastructure going to be if you use them? The more you use, the more, more tied in in that sense. Like if you want complete independence, then you roll everything yourself, like mm-hmm. all of your redirect logic and A-B testing and all that. But then you take on all of the the downsides of managing that. And for something like A-B testing, it's not necessarily, like there's no benefit necessarily to controlling your test environment that you haven't deployed to production yet. Uh, so if you just have to do less work to get it working and to direct a little bit of traffic to, over to it, then all the better. Basically, Fastly works via CNAME records. So you're essentially pointing your CNAME records to them, and then they become the uh, the ones handling traffic yep. through your domain. So you could switch off relatively easily if your let's say your production backend doesn't have any code related to A/B testing, URL redirects, paywall authentication, location language customization. You just have the English version of your production app on one server and then the French version on another server and Fastly is handling the routing to the two. You could relatively easily set up an Nginx instance somewhere else to do that and then just change your DNS. So you can get the benefits of using a lot of their stuff without a ton of tie-in depending on how you structure it. Okay. And I guess, uh, we'll, again, we'll talk about this in a bit with respect to competition and also you know potential reasons they trade at a at like a discount multiple compared to other SaaS peers. But how much of this stuff that they offer are necessary for software companies versus like nice-to-haves? I would say pretty necessary. Okay. In the sense that you're buying uh, performance, reliability, and leverage. So depending on how critical those are to your business. And what I mean by that is you're buying reliability in the sense of DDoS protection or being able to handle traffic spikes. You either have the in-house capability and bandwidth and budget to roll out the complicated DevOps needed to handle very spiky traffic, or your business takes a hit. The same thing can be said for uh, reliability or you know any of these other things. So you're essentially offloading a lot of DevOps cost and risk to a third-party company that specializes it. in it. So it, you know, depending on your business, being able to serve up traffic faster can have a pretty marked impact on your bottom line. Yep. I wonder if investors are missing that and they're thinking about it in terms of uh, maybe these guys are too niche, like how many ticket masters and how many Alaska Airlines are there and how many sites need that kind of uh, you know response time reliability and whatnot. I don't know. I'm just kind of like brainstorming some ideas of what people might be misunderstanding about this. 
Yeah, yeah. Those would be very unqualified investors in the space. Yeah. Because it's it's well proven that like performance and time to first paint and all the like performance metrics in terms of like getting content to end users is absolutely critical in like either direct sales or ad impressions or whatever metric you have yep. for making money in this space. All right. So the next kind of section they have, it's called strengths of our platform. We'll just read through these real quick. I think we've actually talked through most of these, but they say our edge cloud platform has the following strengths, programmability, real-time visibility and control, consistent and superior performance, support for agile development processes, easy to scale, one network, scalable security, large and growing developer community, good neighborhood, and partner integrations. One thing I found pretty, like, I, I like this summary of strengths. I thought it was very well thought out and also very kind of developer focused, like, you know, compared to some of the yep. other software prospectuses we've looked at in the past. I think we've talked through each of these in a different way, so I don't think we necessarily need to delve into each one. All right, so let's just talk about their competitors and where they sit with respect to their competitors. So in their latest 10Q, page 56, for those reading along, they're, they have a risk factor around their competitors. And I thought this was probably their most uh, interesting risk factor because it's pretty well laid out. And they basically lay out all their competitors, like how, they're, how they might be different and so on. So I'll read that one. The markets in which we participate are competitive, and if we do not compete effectively, our business will be harmed. The market for cloud computing platforms, particularly enterprise-grade products, is highly fragmented, competitive, and constantly evolving. With the introduction of new technologies and market entrants, we expect the competitive environment in which we compete will remain intense going forward. Legacy content delivery networks, CDNs, such as Akamai, Limelight, Edgecast, part of Verizon Digital Media, Level 3, Imperva, and small business-focused CDNs, such as Cloudflare, Instart, Stackpath, and Section.io. I haven't heard of those last three. Have you Have you heard of those? Instart, Stackpath, Section? Uh, I haven't, but I did look into some of them uh, in preparation for this. Yeah. So they offer products that compete with ours. We also compete with cloud providers who are starting to offer compute functionality at the edge, like Amazon's cloud front AWS Lambda and Google Cloud Platform, as well as traditional data center and appliance vendors like F5, Citrix, A10, Cisco, Imperva, Radware, Hardware Networks, who offer a range of on-premise solutions for load balancing, WAF, and DDoS. And then they say some of our competitors have made or may enter into partnerships or other relationships that may provide more comprehensive offerings than they had individually offered. And then they go on and uh, list the kind of areas that they compete on. Um, it's very similar to what we read before, but uh, you know, functionality, global network coverage, ability to utilize new and proprietary technologies, and so on and so forth. Yeah. So, what do you? What's your take on kind of how, where these guys sit compared to some of the other competitors they mentioned? Yeah. So, I want to compare them to three primary, like one competitor from each category. Yep. So, in the legacy CDNs, we'll talk about Akamai because they're the biggest. In the like other cloud provider space, we'll talk about AWS's CloudFront, and then in the you know self serve small business. We'll talk about Cloudflare because we, you know we've talked about them on the podcast. They're doing a lot of similar stuff, yep. and we're familiar with them. So uh, first, I think I'll just compare them to uh, Cloudflare. So Cloudflare is again like one of those small business focused self serve offerings where you can just go sign up, start using their 
CDN, the web application firewall, DDoS, and that sort of thing. So the big difference here is Fastly supports a lot more in terms of dynamic content and video. They have much better like cache mm-hmm. purging performance. They have much more customizability because of their varnish based and they have the uh, VCL. There's a lot of overlap in terms of the core uh, CDN product, the DDoS, WAF, bot detection. Like everyone sort of does that stuff. And they have more in terms of if you want custom and wildcard SSLs and image optimization. So th- their big differentiator is the serving of dynamic content and the customizability. The big thing that they don't have that Cloudflare does is the DNS. So Cloudflare has a, you know, DNS is a big product for them. And Fastly, you just set up a CNAME record. And then I did a little more, more research and it seems based on anecdotal experience of a number of developers that Fastly has slightly better performance across some metrics than most of their competitors. And they are better at serving uh, larger assets than Cloudflare. But essentially the big differentiators are Fastly is better if you want to do dynamic content delivery and rapidly purge your caches. Cloudflare has a DNS and they have more enterprise-focused security products. But they're very both very competitive on pricing and they're very easy to like get going and scale up with. Comparing Fastly to Akamai. So it's a very different product. Akamai is essentially targeted at you know, your large clients with big spends. It's very configurable, but it has a longer setup time. Anecdotally, uh, you, know, you hear people talking about anywhere from 45 minutes to a couple of weeks. There's no self-serve. You have to talk to sales to get set up. So it's much more of like an enterprise product. It appears to be much more expensive. And there's a bit of that ability to shoot yourself in the foot because it's very configurable and very custom and targeted at big enterprise clients. Unless you know exactly what you're doing, there's a lot less like easy to get going developer friendly products. Akamai tends to have a lot more uh, like very specific enterprise focused products. And then third would be the comparison to something like AWS. So AWS's uh, CDN offering is called. CloudFront, not to be confused with Cloudflare. And it's basically on top of S3. So the advantage there is a lot of people are using AWS S3 for their like object storage anyway. And it's very easy to turn your static assets in S3 into CloudFront cached assets. The big advantages S3 has are you're already using AWS, so might as well use CloudFront. And because your assets are already stored with them, you don't pay for uh, data egress. The big advantage Fastly has are some of the same it has over Cloudflare in terms of rapid key-based purge. If you're routinely purging assets, it's very, very expensive to do that on S3. And then similarly, the dynamic content delivery and video streaming type stuff is uh, much better with Fastly. And difficult meaning expensive or like take that take that Ticketmaster example, right? I know we've yeah. kind of uh, just assuming a few things there, but like taking that even further, if they wanted to kind of do that on S3, what would that be like? It's not going to be possible in the same way. You can't do cash purging at the same velocity. Okay. So there's things that which Fastly is faster. Yep. In, in, in significant to the point of it being a, a different use case. Right. So those are the, you know, I gave one example of the, with the legacy 
there's really not much overlap for like the small, like the small client Akamai is not really an yep. option. And, you know, basically my takeaway from this was that they have a differentiated product that does certain things very well that are very important for both uh, small clients and big clients, which looks really good from them from the perspective of like their self-serve, but also enterprise sales. Let's move along, I guess, to the actual numbers. And before we talk about that, they kind of highlight how they plan to grow. And I think every SaaS company has, there's not too much that's different, but I'll just read through them real quick. Uh, Winning new customers, expanding within customer base. That's a whole, you know, the net expansion rate that all these SaaS businesses, uh, those new numbers that they're offering. International customer growth, sales and marketing investment, and then continued investment in platform and network infrastructure. I don't know. Do you have any th- specific kind of thoughts around there? They sounded pretty similar to me. Uh, yeah, it, it all seems about the the same. So I think yeah. we can just get to the actual numbers. Okay. So company obviously is growing very quickly. They went public earlier this year, uh, like in May. And revenues in March of 2017 were 24 million a quarter. I'm going to give year on year number. Here's March of 2018, 32 and a half million a quarter. That's a growth of 33%. March of this year, $46 million. So that's a growth of 40%. So over the last year or so, their lowest growth quarter has been 33%. Their highest growth quarter year on year has been 42%. So they're growing in that kind of like 30 to 40% range. Um, Their DBNER is the metric that they cite. It's their dollar-based net expansion rate. Um, December 2017, 147%. December 2018, 132%. This last quarter in September, 135%. So this is also in the kind of like 130 to 140 type of range. Yeah. So it seems in line with other companies we've looked at in this space. Right. So like I said, they went public in May. They priced it $16. It traded into the low 30s in September. Um, It had just a crazy run in a very short amount of time, like so many things. And then it traded off and now it's in the low 20s. So it still trades at the low end of major SaaS companies. So it trades at like nine to 10 times sales versus, you know, Cloudflare and Elastic, which are trading at 15 to 16 times sales. Obviously, these are different companies. These guys are probably closer to Cloudflare than, definitely closer to Cloudflare than they are Elastic. But in the whole kind of like self- serve cloud market. They all play together. You know, companies that use Cloudflare will probably also use Elastic, probably also using Fastly and so on. So their growth metrics and all these numbers, they look pretty solid compared to the rest of these guys. So, you know, there it might be the case, it happens a lot, you know, it's a $2 billion company, it's not huge. So maybe there's not a lot of eyes on it, but it definitely trades at a discount. So maybe let's talk through like some theoretical reasons of issues we might have with these guys. Yeah. So the the first one is uh, it was hard to compare them to someone like Cloudflare in terms of enterprise growth because Cloudflare used the number of customers with over 100,000 ARR or MRR. I think ARR. They showed that their average enterprise customer is like 500 and something thousand dollars and growing and the numbers are growing. But it wasn't clear if they're growing as yep. rapidly as some of the competition. Initially, I thought that maybe because they're more of like a self-serve small business style thing, they would have a harder time attracting enterprise customers. But uh, I think 86% of their revenue is enterprise. That doesn't seem to be the case. 
but I'd want to watch those metrics closely. The other big one is their coverage. So yeah, so if you're a small startup or primarily North America-based client or even Europe, there's a lot of these CDN providers that are fine. But if you need coverage globally, they don't have as much coverage outside of North America and uh, Europe as some of the legacy CDNs or even some of the larger new competitors. So they have like no presence in Russia or China. Uh, China is a big market for a lot of companies. And they are limited in Europe compared to Cloudflare. So, you know, if, if your strategy is land and expand with these big enterprise clients, um, even if you're signing them for North America, if they're going to your competitors for some of these other markets, that's going to make that strategy harder because you're competing for the same same dollars. And how much does geography matter with respect to, because like they're all about edge performance, right? That That is the product. Yeah. So the whole idea is you're co-locating this static content with the ISP near your end user. So like that's the business. Right. So they, in order to even have international expansion, they will physically need to, I mean, there'll be a capital expenditure on site. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, they are newer and smaller and they don't have the same presence outside of North America as some of their competition. On a plus side, they're very competitive on pricing, which is good. And then the other risk here is, is again, just use AWS factor. For a lot of clients, especially like your small to medium companies that already have an AWS or GCP account, they're just going to use whatever CDN service is offered. Part of the problem is that though their service is very differentiated and can provide you advantages, it's not immediately obvious. Pricing, their pricing is good, but pricing can be opaque between the different CDN providers because of different pricing models. And then same thing with performance. A lot of, I think... It's not always clear what to measure or what metrics are the most valuable or how to correlate performance metrics to actual uh, company bottom line. So though they may be able to provide a lot of these advantages, customers won't always know. So I think there is still that overcoming the legacy competition and also the traditional cloud providers. Yeah, so I guess you know all those are super interesting. The Probably the one that would interest me the most, and I can see this being... A pressure point with the stock is that if they do want international coverage, they're going to have to spend on that. They're currently not profitable, which means they will probably have, uh, you know, have to raise money for just general profitability and also raise money in order to expand into these international markets and spend more in those markets. So that might be a big reason why it kind of trades at this this multiple. I would probably, you know, given that, I probably would put it at a slight discount to some of those guys, but I don't think half is fair. I think it would be a little less than that. Yeah. And looking at what they offer, if you're a startup or a company building a lot of, like if you're building a media product or anything that's serving like dynamic content or lots of rapidly changing content, they do seem to be the best option. So like they are very product differentiated in a space that is like a lot of people serving the same thing. Yep. So I I think there's some value there. Yep. Hey everyone, you've got Vikram here again. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please drop us a rating on iTunes. If you want to get in touch, drop me a line at Vikram at quantlayer.com. That's V-I-K-R-A-M at Q 
Q-U-A-N-T-L-A-Y-E-R.com. Thanks. Thank you.